Hello, Internet. This is Copitem Council and I'm Hafiz. Today I'm with... He's with me, Adi, as usual. Yes, as usual. Uh, now, uh, what the day today? Today is 7th of August. So if you are in Malaysia right now, I'm sure you know what's going on. What's the hottest? I mean, what's the... Not the hottest. The hottest. Actually, the hottest, hottest uh, news, news in town, Adi. Just as hot as the weather it is today. <laughs> oh my God. And I'm wearing like a, like a t-shirt here. Right. So uh, in the past few weeks, uh, do we need a more introduction to these issues? I think a lot of people are accustomed to what's happening right now. The Malaysian political scene has taken quite a turn for the worse. Uh, we have seen that Muhyiddin Yassin is quite in a delicate position right now. He's in a very, very, I would say, politically challenged moment in his leadership. Uh, it's very interesting. Uh, wh- what can we see from here, though? There's there's a lot to unpack here, isn't there? Yeah, so uh, talking about unpacking things, let's uh, do a recap a little bit. So basically on the 26th, right? 26th, yeah. well, it, uh, it was scheduled a uh, parliament to convene, and we all know it's supposed to be a parliament parliamentary sitting that everyone looking forward to after for uh, a seven month hiatus and then uh, on the first day law minister said something very controversial and then the uh, the opposition uh, pre- tried to pressure him to confirm uh, yes or no about the uh, uh, revocation of the six uh, ordinance of the uh, emergency and then you, you ha- we have on uh, Wednesday Wednesday was the 29th, 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 28th, the, the uh, uh, what they call some of the MPs uh, actually alerted by a s- statement from the palace saying that no, Prime Minister didn't uh, have my uh, consent. And then uh, again on Thursday, they, because this all brand new day, everyone just uh, uh, roaring up to... to 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 go to law minister who who was deemed as uh, misleading, lying to the to to, to the Dewan uh, Rakyat, and then it was cut short because of oh everyone had to take the uh, COVID test all of uh, all of a sudden, and then of course on Friday there was no uh, session at all, and on Monday it was supposed to be uh, uh, additional s- session which is the it's supposed to be five days right. But again, because of COVID reason, Tan Sri Hisham said that uh, the the parliament should not convene. Now, Adi, all this, if you want to unfold, we can do the podcast for what, two, three hours. But what's importantly, what the uh, the end result here, like because after 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 Monday, now we know the uh, at least I'm 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 going to command prime minister. Oh, I'm. I cannot believe I'm saying this, but he actually wants to prove his majority now. The question is, is it too late to do in September? I think considering the situation that we're in, a lot of people are upset. Let's look at it from the people's perspective. Is that They're upset with the leadership uh, that Muhyiddin has brought us through during the whole COVID pandemic. The whole emergency has been a farce. It has been badly, poorly mismanaged. So... It's not more so that we, we that the Muhyiddin, you know, it's just right now a race to remove the Muhyiddin administration right now, and delaying it to September. 
just gives them another month to buy time. Let's remember that the group that he's from, you know, Bersatu, all composed of former Amno people who still play by the typical Amno playbook and tactics and strategies, will find a way to wiggle themselves around, even though we've seen quite a substantial amount of uh, Amno members leaving the uh, leaving Muhyiddin, you know, losing, losing their confidence in Muhyiddin. They cited the fact that. Or they've went against the Agong's uh, prerogative. They've defied the you know the royal institutions, so that that gives them the just cause and you know decent enough justification in the eyes of the people to break away from that. Yet we still see quite a few Amno members and a lot in Perikatan National still um, st- still trying to make the case that Muhyiddin should still be the prime minister. So there's a lot of horse trading going around. And I cannot really keep up anymore with the numbers anymore. I think Malaysia Kini is still doing it. So if you need any reference, maybe they have updated it by now. But having it be tested by September, what is the occasion? Why you know delay it for another month? Why not test it now? Anwar Ibrahim already proposed the motion of confidence in Muhyiddin over the five-day parliamentary session. Surprisingly, Zahid was uh, quite ambiv- ambiguously supportive of that. But you see, there's urgency now. It's the sense of urgency that is a deciding factor of why it should be brought to the parliament now. And yeah, that's the thing also about like postponing it in, in, in September is that this is something very crucial. This is the backbone of a government, whether it's legit or not. You know, it's not a question of, oh, it's about budget, it's about to, to, to prove something very, uh, you know, about... You know, a very technical issue. This is a fundamental, the very thing that make this government legit. So, I, I, I'm still baffled today. Like how Muhyiddin could get away from this by saying, "Okay, I have the majority. Anyone can say that." When we all know the only solution that will put this thing to end, like zero doubt that he goes to the parliament and says, let's do it now. That's it. If he has the number, he should prove it now. I can say, it's like, it's like saying like, uh, I'm going to the shop and then I can say to the cashier, I have the money, but I will give it to you next month. It doesn't work that way. You have the money, show it to me. Pay me now. So why is not Muhyiddin here paying us the so-called the debt that he owes us, the, the majority, does he has a number? And then, of course, the serial uh, events that followed by that, the, we have several groups of uh, political uh, parties, even from the same party, I'm no here, in, in the case of I'm no here, making uh, announcements after another. It's just chaos. And Prime Minister didn't say a word about it. He, uh, but uh, I think two days ago he issued a statement saying that uh, you should not be worried, whatever, it's all under control. Like, but uh, yada yada yada, that's it's not enough. We all, no one trusts his words right now. His words is worth of just like I don't know, uh, the grass outside. No one believe him, and it's important more than ever for him to do this as quickly as possible. And the fact that Agong let him to just do that, it's, it's unbelievable. I think there's two points to be made here. I think it's to his benefit for Muhyiddin to delay 
the emotion of confidence because now we see even till now a lot of uh, UMNO members that makes up a lot a uh, vast majority of Brigada National still shifting alliances here and there some has chosen to remain with Muhyiddin some has chosen to follow the party itself so it's still up in the air for Muhyiddin so maybe he is delaying to decide whether or not he needs to maneuver more towards gaining support from you know his uh, his coalition so there's that and for the Agong's prerogative there's the argument to be made is whether or not Agong should step up now this can divide a lot of people some say that you know those with more republican prof- proclivities maybe they'll say that oh we don't want the Agong to be involved more with our politics or some say daulat tuan go now is your chance to prove yourself as a just and righteous uh, king so th- you know either way whatever agong decides it will not make everybody happy so you know muhidin can buy himself time till september because he can no one's really there's not really anyone that can challenge him right now i mean with a certain amount of leverage and political power to you know convince the speaker hey you know convene session now have the motion now no one really has that kind of influence right now to especially in the opposition camp to bring about that change right now the ball really does rest in uh, muhidin's court and I, the fact that he entertained the idea he was able to set the the date of the battle by moving first he was able to set when he chooses to have the test of uh, confidence be made and this is you know the span of one month that's enough to just go to like say an mp's house say if you support me you know here you go there's some money under the table you know wink wink not much but that that's that's the that could be the strategy and the horse play, horse trading that could be going around behind the scenes we don't know what's going on behind the scenes now and i'm expect that this is the whole backdoor phase of politics right now that's going to become more prominent as the month goes by indeed and uh, you know what's even more uh, frustrating is that the biggest impact the biggest detrimental impact is i think to the racket because knowing for politicians especially for the ministers knowing that you are going to expire within a month will not give you focus in doing what you do especially people like uh, Adam Baba KJ and who else in the in in the uh, in the front line of combating this pandemic they would not be you know sitting in the office thinking like hmm how should i what should i do uh, more or better to 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 procure more vaccine to do more ppv no what they are doing right now is hmm how do i help my prime minister to persuade my uh, fellow mps in my own state that's what they're doing so this is the underlying facts that we need to realize that despite that uh, whatever you're saying that uh, prime minister has the prerogative to decide whenever he wants so basically he has the home advantage here but again we the rakyat need to realize this, this whether or not then they need to remember this moment the fact that it it's on it's on prime minister then his back against the rakyat and the rakyat need to vote him out in the next general election i think the rakyat is slowly waking up to the fact that muhidin is has failed in this endeavor of managing covid pandemic we saw the whole lawan protest with everyone congregating in um, in kl and all across malaysia wearing um, black t-shirts you know in opposition towards the 
leadership of Muhyiddin is nothing to do with uh, supporting of any opposition parties or you know whatever part political party. It's just a general statement made by everyone that the leadership has failed, trust in the government has failed, the confidence in whether or not our administrators, the current administrators during emergency, is at an all-time low. So I guess because how the emergency affects everybody, there is a more substantial awakening from um, the general population of Malaysia. They before what what one person might have been indifferent to politics before, now they can see how politics unravels itself within their daily lives. And I guess more people, it, it opens up more avenues for people to be a bit more decisive in who or what they want in a government that they, that they hope to see uh, ascend to the premiership you know, the, and the administration. So from that regard, I, I'm quite optimistic that, that we have a, we've learned a lesson here is that when power is concentrated in a certain group of people who has a track record of you know, lackluster performance or, you know, um, or certain inclinations in terms of power, how they articulate certain uh, avenues of power, at least it become, the people are more well-armed. You know, this whole COVID pandemic has done nothing for Muhyiddin's leadership. Instead, it gave ammunition to those that criticised him. I think a lot of people gave him the benefit of the doubt when he became Prime Minister last year. They thought, okay, maybe he could do something, maybe there's a chance here, despite how undemocratic a fashion he gained power. But a lot of people gave him the benefit of the doubt. But now we've seen that public opinion has turned a complete 180 on him. It is very hard to make a stance to actually defend Muhyiddin other than just saying... You know, don't focus on politics. But politics has bled, especially now, has bled into every aspect of our daily lives. And trying to divorce that relationship, to me, is quite tone deaf. 100% agree with that. Uh, let's take, for example, 2018 general election was impact of uh, on MDB tsunami and all that. Uh, the This is uh, a, a wrongdoing by one person, a, a person at helm, uh, the Prime Minister at the time, Najib Razak that uh, was uh, accused of uh, uh, swindling uh, uh, government fund through their uh, investment uh, company, 1MDB, and it became a national issue. And of course, what happened in 2018 was a reflection that, like you said, in urban areas, almost all urban areas, if not all, woken up and uh, outvoted all the uh, so-called uh, crooked uh, uh, politicians. But uh, another side of me also thinking, like because of the um, uh, amplifying effect COVID has, because you can say like, you know, uh, people in the rural area, the kampung areas, they, uh, they said in 2018, like they didn't care about, about 1MDB. They didn't care about some other projects in, you know, 30 million projects in KL that's supposed to be completed but not completed due to corruption. They didn't care. What people in the Kampung area care is about like, is there, is there access road to, uh, to a school? Or is there even a school in the Kampung area? Is there even internet uh, connectivity in the Kampung area? So that's the fundamental essential issues that you need to be tackled. And, and if you, it, and if the politicians can play their card right and, and, and put things to where, you know, to, to, 
to certain priority, of course, according to their respective areas, and it couldn't go well. But what COVID does, it's it override all this because everyone, as as far as Perlis and and Sabah, everyone affected equally. Whether you are rich, whether you in the city, whether you are in the rural area, so I think this is a good, like a boost to all this. Uh, 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 years of uh, wrongdoings that have been done uh, by uh, by the government uh, uh, because yeah, part part of the government is today is BN BN been powerful in the power for sixty years, and PN as we see right now, oh my God, even even again we talk about uh, Kedah MB the other day. Uh, Making such a remark about Bendera Putih, and uh, I think yesterday he made another remark, making a jokes about the containers uh, containing uh, uh, dead bodies. So these are the 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 leaders that at helm in Perikatan National, and if this COVID pandemic plus all this uh, wrongdoing that being done will not teach them a lesson. And be punished by the uh, the rocket. There's no hope for Malaysia. I think we, when we focus on, let's say, the incompetencies of the current government, I think we're looking at it from the top level. Those that are, you know, in the elite uh, decision making um, platforms, such as the executive, these are people that are at the top. However, you know, we, I think we have to give credit where credit is due um, to, especially, like, say, um, more rural YBs or more. Uh, YBs that are focused with uh, a very you know, rural constituency. I think um, as far as Sabah is concerned, well, at least in Sabah, right, um, we saw that uh, Bung Mukhtar was quite vocal in terms of uh, demanding more vaccines to be made. We've seen the Papar MP um, making a very very conscious case to show that you know the state of uh, Malaysia, uh, state of Sabah is uh, is regressing, you know, holding up that picture with the lapidated kampung house. It's a very, you know, sad state of affairs. We saw that, um, you know, a lot of Warisan MPs being quite vocal about the situation. And not just, you know, from the Warisan side, but from the government side as well, the state government in Sabah was very uh, proactive in negotiating for, you know, we need more vaccines. This is not enough. You know, we've run out. We're not able to conduct, you know, any sort of um, business here, I mean, any sort of uh, vaccination business here, uh, at least they've set up like the mobile uh, PPV where, you know, at least the kampung areas deep in, like, you know, deep in rural areas are able to receive vaccinations. And I guess the push for one-shot vaccines would help logistics in that regard. What I hope to see really is that taking this, you know, indifference to the, you know, the drama, the political drama on the federal side, from Sabah politicians and just say, you know, forget about this, you know, political drama, whose loyalties lie with who. Let's just unite somehow. Let's just get together somehow. Because I think this is the best situation for Sabah to negotiate uh, with Muhyiddin, saying that, hey, you are in a tight spot. I think it's time you finally give us, you know, our dues. We've been asking for it for a very long time. You've, you've already said something about Wilaya Sabah, Wilaya Sarawak few months back, right? I think it's time uh, that we don't want to be dragged along for this, you know, this wild ride with you people. Get, let us finally have our own affair. Let us settle our own affairs in order. But it's underpinned by a united spirit. Who cares about, you know, 
which uh, political side you lie on. You know, just work together. You don't have to like each other, but you can work with each other. You know, let's say, um, let's take the example of uh, the British uh, MPs, right? Uh, they, despite being on opposite sides of the, the room, they can still be civil with one another. They can still, you know, spar with one another, but it's courteous. They, it's all in the spirit of good discussion. You know, it's, okay, let's say, Hafiz, you have a point. Okay, maybe I can expand on that point with what I have. Then you can expand. It goes back and forth there. I think, you know, this is the best time, you know, to divorce ourselves from federal drama and focus on uh, our own uh, political culture here. Yeah, but it's the, thi- the thing with that is, you know, you, you both sides need to be on the moral, uh, higher moral uh, grounds uh, because if uh, one side decided to go to not very low, the whole intellectual discussion would go to waste because one party just decided not to, to participate. So, so I think it's very much uh, a, a role of education that, you know, uh, future generation, like you said, like uh, hashtag Lawan the other day, these are the very people that we need to put uh, forward to actually, uh, you know, uh, to administer this this country one day, but but that's for I think I'm very pessimistic about that. I'm sure in 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 the future, these future generations will do uh, uh, justice to this country. But for now, talking about the incompetency of uh, some of the politicians, just decided that the, you know their their self-serving agenda to to you know like you, you mentioned very uh, interestingly, Bung Mukhtar mentioned about the. Papar and if you if you see his uh, posting on 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 uh, Facebook, right? This uh, he because of course has a min, um, uh, state minister of uh, works. Of course, he this is his uh, under his portfolio. But uh, we need to understand this is all uh, uh, time a politician that have played the game for a long time, and he knows the rules like the back of his hand. So his only interest in you know uh, the Alibaba kind of uh, concept project that they all do around the around, around Malaysia. So these are the things that uh, as much as I like Bong doing his job, but also the fact that he his his he's really adamant to, to to complete the job means he's he's moving along with parallel with his personal interests. So uh, what uh, I'm sure I'm sure it's it's good to have all this project done, or whether it's a bridge, whether it's a road to to Papar, uh, but of course uh, we need to see this uh, hidden effect or hidden uh, hidden uh, things that been done been done and uh, you know behind the behind the curtain, and uh, I think the rocket need to be aware of this also. Yeah, I do agree that uh, some level of skepticism has to be, you know brought into the discussion here when we discuss like the merits of certain people and whether or not we can see if it's in you know in the name of common good or if it really is just for uh, political expediency you know uh, in doing what we ought we deserve no praise because it's our duty right we don't expect the praise because we should be doing what we should be doing in the first place but going back to that is uh, you see uh, what I'm trying to get at is that despite the you know the personal interest here. I can see that a lot of personal interest might be able to align with a larger goal. But of course, the danger there is that personal interest can corrupt the, the larger goal itself for 
you know what happens if let's say um someone in uh, in lawan right in like showed up in a lawan protest uh, uh, you know with munitions and all that saying that you know bring down the government uh, you know for violent means of course it's going to paint a very bad picture and we don't want that we don't want that any i don't think any kind of uh, organization or group would want that kind of effect so i guess when it comes to unity i think it has to start with those that have uh, you know a more passionate that that comes from a place of passion rather than comes from a place of okay i see this as an opportunity for me to advance myself no 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 i think it's a responsibility of those that champion that's trying to champion this whole project to identify those that you know regardless of political background to identify whether or not someone is genuine or not yes uh i i i would like to uh propose like a solution here but of course this is very just like me thinking thinking out loud right so i think i think the first one we uh, uh short term period i think we need to em- implement as soon as possible the recall election uh to my knowledge it is already in the pilot project already being tested so i'm very hopeful with that and hopefully uh maybe after i don't think i don't think we can do it before the next general election so i think it's going to be in effect after general election the fifteen general election so with that i think that's uh, that's a better hope to to prevent some uh, party hoppings and uh, secondly i think this is a long term solution i believe okay there's a saying that uh, the only constant is change right and uh, we also very aware that you know some big corporation company on how they want to uh, mitigate corruption or scandal in their company is by rotating or changing their personnel uh, within 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 country or within region right so why don't we take the same approach with our democracy in malaysia like why don't we do something like uh, the first 100 years we do uh, like this like a parliamentary system and then for the next 100 years we do we change to republic uh, presidential <laughs> system because here's here's my here's my uh, argument right because any Uh, any system or any uh, institution if it existed long enough it can be corrupted you can apply this to anything you if you have a road system or a tax system that already long enough existed long enough somehow some some people somewhere will find a loophole especially in our democracy our de- malaysia's democracy is not that old but the parliamentary democracy itself it's quite old it's or we just take it we just copycat from from the um, from from great britain so that's that's the idea so why don't we because also why this is important because if we stick just changing like okay uh, forget about parliamentary uh, system we shift to like indonesia uh, presidential republic all right because presidential republic has its own problems like in america right now it's so divided it's just between two evils it's not between two sides rather two party state at this point yeah two state parties we don't want to be malaysia with it just party a and party b that's also bad and then we keep going like see we should we should undo what we've done 100 years ago we should go back to parliamentary system yada 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 so i think it's better for us to keep the changes uh 
uh, like some sort of like a schedule changes happen. So with the hundred years, okay, the hundred years, I don't know. It could be like fifty years or hundred fifty years, whatever. But just the idea here is to to not make it static. The dynamic change to it because people gonna get complacent. People gonna get uh, you know gonna get smarter to override the system, and 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 as the next thing we know, the same problem happens and happens again because we all know democracy is not perfect and certainly it's not the best system. So why we need to stick with one is just there's there's no law in this world st- set in stone that oh you should use either. Republican system or parliamentary system, democracy system, or even you want to go dictatorship. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> so, yeah. So that's for me. I mean, I mean, I I would take some issue to that argument. Of course, you know. Okay, let's let, let me. I'll try to look at it from the recall election perspective. We would need a government with enough political will to implement that. First of all. And there's a lot of like you know. I think there was a strong case to be made in defense of that. You know, as um, dodgy, as you can say, like um, a recall election. I'm not going to get into detail of that, but there are arguments out there uh, for and against. And going to like how we have to be constantly changing the system, okay? I think when we discuss, okay, we need, let's say, we schedule, okay, we need a system to change in the next 50 years. We need change system to be like this in the next 100 years to keep up. I think anytime when you want to make a large-scale uh, plan like that, I think you would need some kind of continuous um, binding idea that keeps it all together, so that everyone is in the same, uh, in the same, you know, on the same train there, and trying to keep everyone cohesive in such a manner, especially in a diverse demographic like Malaysia, you would need some measure of you know authoritarianism, isn't it, to schedule? Okay, you need <coughs> something. <coughs> <laughs> you need something strong to make sure that okay, in fifty years this is done. That we're going to make sure that this happens in fifty years. That is going to be, uh, you know, you're going to be untangling a lot of. You're going to be. There's going to be a lot of power dynamics there that's going to be unfavorable to the idea of democracy. But I think at the same time, we. I think we've romanticized this idea of democracy as something that is the be all end all, uh, system that can help us. Of course, it's not perfect, but the fact is that we've imported the democratic systems from um, Australia, India, uh, the um, the United Kingdom. However, I think the issue comes from the fact that we've imported these ideas without actually looking into the reality of uh, what Malaysia really is, you see. I think we do not have an organic democracy, a democracy that, that's cultivated and adapted to the current landscape, the political landscape, social political landscape that we have in Malaysia. Now, we see that um, many of, uh, let's say, uh, Indonesia's uh, democracy is quite homogenous. Um, Australia was at one point quite homogenous in that regard. United Kingdom was also quite homogenous. Uh, th- so they had a more cohesive identity. India, however, is a very, very diverse uh, entity in itself. So working its democracy, it's, it's maybe we, we have to l- take a lesson from that. However, you know, with uh, populist rhetoric on the rise in India, I think that's uh, quite redundant. However, the point I'm trying to make is that democracy is not a one-size-fits-all solution. We've seen that in many other countries trying to adopt it in, third, in developing countries that it's just not as sustainable as we thought it would be. Malaysia, I think, is within that kind of challenge right now. Is it really uh, suitable for us? And if we want the democratic experiment to work in Malaysia, I think it has to adapt with the fact that we are a fed- we're quite uh, you know, a centralized federation at this point. 
that, that's an oxymoron that you know federation should be like you know on the long lines of the USA. However, it's very centralized. The there's a huge uh, diverse demographic in uh, Malaysia made up of uh, certain de- uh, racial on long racial lines. It's multi-religious, multi-ethnic, and we on the term in the scope of geography as well separated you know two territories separated uh, along maritime uh, lines you see it's a very unique situation it's a very unique position as well geographically and politically so i think soul searching for malaysians is is needed here because we need to ask ourselves what are we happy with in a system because we've seen a lot of complaints about the whole first past the post uh, system so okay maybe reform that reform to what okay what do we reform it into Okay, now we've seen that next, another example, is we've seen that the Senate is made up of appointees, right? Not uh, democratic elected, like how in Australia. Okay, so how are we going to solve that? How are we going to reform that? Because we saw that, we, we look at this as a problem. So what is the solution? Do we take in the same methods as in Australia where they have to be democratically elected? That is the question that we need to ask if we want to know what is it, what system do we really want going to the future? Because the system now rewards those who play dirty, rewards those who buy into the whole idea of patronage politics. You can attribute this maybe to the old man, uh, Dr. Mahathir, for exacerbating this issue. But you see, he molded it that way. But we can still mold it in a way we want because you know everything is diverse, everything is changing, everything is dynamic. But it's hard to... Know, when we look at the political system, the political drama we have, it's a product of the system that we have. And that could be an entire conversation altogether. But if we are not trying to make you know, uh, adequate changes in the system itself, reform the system uh, on, a, on a very fundamental level, I think those that have rewarded, been rewarded now would continue to be rewarded in the future. And those that follow in their footsteps will definitely be rewarded. Totally agree what you said, um, but all this uh, point of view it's coming from, uh, if if you if you may uh, call it like uh, looking outwards. I I I want to focus on looking at the bigger picture here because I'm gonna sound like a futurist in a minute, but uh, let's 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 hear me out because one of the reason that I say that because it I I think we need to see government in a new in a new um, in a new form right now. Here's my contention, because let's take for example a thousand years ago. A thousand years ago, a sultan, a king, is the most powerful man on the whole land. All right, if you're a king, you that one person is very powerful. But about three, two hundred years ago, an entity called government is very powerful. So it's, this is a group of people, whether they are whether they are uh, uh, polit- um, a republic. Uh, what we call this uh, presidential republic or a parliamentary system. These are, whatever the system is, the powerful people in the whole world. Aligning with the uh, Yuval Harari said that in the future, multi-corporation, nation, multinational corporation will be the so-called the king of the land in the future. Because everything... Okay, we already see the fact of first, it's borderless world now. You, you know, we can't imagine buying something from China 15, 20, uh, 10 years ago. But right now, almost things on our table are coming directly shipped from China just last week. That's how insane 
the borderless world right now so quick secondly is how we see this world as uh, you know uh, the, the the government uh, in terms of money as a, 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 a vital role here because multinational corporations right now growing at exponential rate like never before and it's already happening let's took let's uh, take apple for example apple capital uh, market is bigger than the fourth most populous country in the world which is indonesia the fourth most country in do you know how many malaysia that it has to uh, produce to make, to equal with apple and that just one uh, technology company right now in 2021 can you imagine 20 years from now more company like this i think it's going to be a norm for a, 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 a company this big and we already see the first man to be a first trillionaire uh, jeff bezos these are these are unthinkable 10 years ago but look at it it's happened so quickly if you blink it's just happened and i think we need to set a system not just a mere law or a part of our constitution but also to look forward in terms of uh, anticipating what's going to happen in the future because we already play catch up for the rest of our life since the malacca uh, empire that oh we so great we control this little narrow strait uh, anyone that passes by need to pay some kind of taxes to us we are the greatest in southeast asia fuck the rest and then comes for Port- portuguese and look what happened we never expected anticipated such power such uh, foreign power come in with their uh, uh, the big guns the big guns i don't know what they call the long thing it's not it's not guns but uh, muskets the muskets, cannons yes the cannons oh, muskets firepower raining down on the and, and some people argue that malacca had this also but their muskets are very small so they never uh, they never see this ottoman uh, maybe uh, uh, invention that now they see on their face that cause uh, malacca its power and then of course uh, very recently that our um, uh, malaysia playing catch up with its surrounding neighbors indonesia and vietnam i don't want to go in details into that but you know what so as much as we see politics as politics but politics are the interaction of other things in our life uh, economy uh, socio economy all that so uh, looking forward we need to uh, need to have a blank canvas and redraw our future no more rancangan malaysia ke whatever right now 13 14 and that based on past years we need to look at the future we need to consult all these big minds in the world no more being egoist you know you know i know all i know best kind of attitude because as long as we do that everyone will lose lose it's never going to be a win win situation exactly do you can see you know what will drive the nation forward i mean politics is a configuration into a system it's a configuration of you know economic models political models into one big system now these systems don't just you know manifest themselves suddenly you know by like a gift of god or whatever this comes from this comes from ideas like the you know the french revolution and um you know challenging the divine right of kings ushered in a new age of uh, you know 
an idea of democracy and republicanism and in opposition to absolute power. Now, when you bring up um, you know, mega corporations suddenly becoming a state within a state, you see, this hinges on the idea that they are rewarded because the free market allows them to be rewarded. And it's the hubris, really, to think that, oh, these people uh, succeeded because of their own efforts, right? Because, but let's look at a lot of other successful people. Are they really successful? How many success stories are there out of all the successful stories of people actually came a rags-to-riches story? Because I don't believe for a second that almost every successful person comes from a rags-to-riches history. Yeah, yeah. And it's a lie that I think is being perpetuated that if you put enough effort, you know, you can get there. But how many of us really, how many people from, you know, underprivileged communities really do get there? Is it really equitable? Is it really a mass social mobility? No, not really. So I think when it comes to, you know, all these corporations gaining too much power, something I feel I'm quite uh, against really the idea that corporations becoming too powerful that they undermine the sovereignty of a state really maybe this is a uh, me challenging the you know the current times or the future whatever the tides of the future but because of the fact that it's just not equitable these people you see jeff bezos during the emergency i mean during the lockdown he's gotten richer what about uh, what about regular people they've been getting poorer the divide is getting more and more stark. At one point, we said that, oh, we need to grow equally. Everyone must have, will have a fair share of the pie. You know, the first comes last, the last comes first. But we're not seeing that here. And in the Malaysian context, it's far from that. So that's why I think, the, I think a more equitable idea that is rising, right? Of course, we've tried, the, the world has tried the socialists and the communist projects and experiments, but... That was overturned. Now we see a lot of people advocating for something more equitable, like a social democracy, like in the Scandinavian model. And this hasn't really had many, you know, um, criticisms other than from proponents who are pro-market and beneficiaries of the free market system that we have, such as you know those that uh, really want more, want less government regulation in businesses or whatever. But, you know, this is another argument altogether. But I think maybe the next idea that will gain traction eventually will be a social democracy. And maybe if Malaysia can find out what does it really want, maybe it can configure itself into that because the sentiment really is trying to make sure everyone is, you know, it's, it's, fair, you know, it's fairness for everyone. I think Malaysians, were quite a generous bunch. We're not a very cynical type amongst one another. We're not very vindictive, especially, um, you know, Politics aside, I think we're quite a cohesive people, Malaysians in general. So trying to organize along those lines could be possible. Um, this is just my speculation. But that's an idea that could gain traction. I could see. I would put my money into it. I think it's a nice segue. We came from uh, parliamentary session and then we evolved into uh, regional power and then we evolved <laughs> to make a corporations. And uh, I think... Uh, because they're all interrelated somehow. Exactly. Ezekiel Mundo. But, you know, there's a lot of things to talk about and we all only have such a little time. I think with it not, I think uh, we're going to end this podcast for this episode right here. So if you want more conversation like this, please follow Adi and me, Hafiz, on Clubhouse, we constantly doing rooms. And if you just check out CopyTM Council on Clubhouse, you can just like follow, click follow, so that you will get notification when we schedule such rooms.
I mean, we do have a Facebook page, but uh, I think we need to take more efforts on that. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. And I think we really do need to set up something along the lines of Instagram or yeah, it's, social media. It's, like it's, it's coming. It's coming. It's yeah, in the works. But, uh, but so far, uh, we kind of active on Clubhouse. So we're going to do a lot of discussion anyway. And you listening to this definitely have some interest yeah. in our topics. So please just head over to Clubhouse, follow us, follow ID, follow myself, and if follow Copy Temp Council. If you really have any suggestions on what you know, we should talk about, you know, just shoot us a message. We're always looking for new topics, and you know, we could always. If you want to be a speaker, go ahead. If you want to lead the conversation, go ahead. We just want to have you know, you sit down like you know, as if it was pre-COVID in a kopitiam, chit-chatting with one another. Exactly the name <laughs> Kopitiam Council, where people go to Kopitiam and act like they're part of the council <laughs> and talk about policies and things that changes their life. All right. And with that said, you know, thank you so much, everyone, for this. Uh, we'll, there's going to be more episodes coming, a lot of things coming in the works. And Clubhouse is always an avenue if you want to get in touch with us. My name is Afis. Goodbye for now. And my name is Adi. Thank you so much. And have take care of yourself. <laughs>